Hello and thanks for joining us on Chicago Tonight. I'm Brandis Friedman. Here's what we're looking at. City lawyers appeal a judge's decision to prevent voters from weighing in on a, propose, a proposal aimed at addressing homelessness. The Chicago Board of Education moves to remove police officers from public high schools. And a federal nutrition program is facing a budget shortfall, what that could mean for mothers and their children. And now to some of today's top stories. Chicago taxpayers spent $74 million last year to resolve police misconduct lawsuits. A WTTW News analysis found that's much less than the average totals of the two years prior, but on par with the average for the last four years. Wrongful convictions have long been the most expensive kind of police misconduct in the city, but the 120 settlements and verdicts in 2023 included various forms of police misconduct, like false arrest, excessive force, and illegal search or seizure. Meanwhile, a Cook County judge has allowed Chicago Police Board proceedings to resume as the system used to discipline police officers remains in contention. For more on both of these stories, please visit our website. Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul is joining the federal government in pushing back on a plan that could affect the cost of your groceries. The Federal Trade Commission is suing to block a $25 billion deal between Kroger, which owns Mariano's and Food for Less, from merging with fellow supermarket company Albertsons. The agencies are concerned that the combination of the fourth and tenth largest retailers in the country would eliminate competition in the grocery industry and drive costs higher at a time when consumers are already spending 26% more on groceries since 2020. The two companies, which employ mostly union workers, have said the merger would make them more competitive against non-union companies like Costco and Walmart. One of Chicago's tallest buildings will be getting a makeover. J.P. Morgan Chase says it's got a tall order for its 850-foot, 60-story skyscraper, Chase says the new plans include refurbished work floors with updated technology for the 7,200 employees who work there, plus a large and modern food hall and an improved outdoor plaza. The company says the project will create nearly 1,000 local construction jobs, triggering millions in economic activity for the city, county, and state. And this week's weather calls for sunglasses, maybe some shorts for those brave Chicagoans, but it'll also call for your coat, maybe an umbrella because it's going to be all over the place. The National Weather Service says today's high reached 71 degrees, and you can expect a high in the 70s tomorrow, too. But then a powerhouse cold front is expected to swoop in from the north on Tuesday night, dropping temps into the 20s and 30s, along with a chance of thunderstorms, hail, and maybe even tornadoes. It'll be short, but then Wednesday and Thursday, seasonably cool. But stay with me now, because temps rebound back into the 60s this weekend. Hang in there, folks. Up next, the fate of the Bring Chicago Home ballot measure. Heather Sharon has the latest right after this. Chicago Tonight is made possible in part by the Alexandra and John Nichols family, the Jim and Kay Maybe family, the Polk Brothers Foundation, and the support of these donors. A ballot measure intended to fight homelessness is thrown into question. Lawyers for the city of Chicago today are appealing a Cook County judge's decision last week to strike the referendum from the March primary ballot. 
The measure, known as Bring Chicago Home, would give the city council authority to hike taxes on the sales of properties worth a million dollars or more. WTTW News' Heather Sharon joins us now with more. Heather, bring us up to date on this court challenge. Why shouldn't voters get to decide uh, whether to vote on the proposal known as Bring Chicago Home? Well, the lawsuit was brought by Chicago's business and real estate community, and they do not want voters to vote on this. They say it is inappropriately crafted because it asks voters to weigh in on essentially three questions. Should properties that sell for less than a million dollars pay a lower real estate transfer tax? Should properties worth more than a million dollars pay a higher rate? And then should properties worth more than $1.5 million pay even more? They say state law says you can only ask voters one question, and then you have to tell people how that money raised will be used. They say this measure, as crafted, doesn't do any of those things. And apparently, Judge Kathleen Burke agreed with them. Well, and to that point, Heather, do we know why Judge Kathleen Burke invalidated the ballot question? So we don't. She issued a written order that was released to the news media today that basically said, I covered all of this in the in the hearing that took place Friday afternoon. But reporters in the courtroom say she did not detail why she was siding with the real estate and business community. So it's a little bit unclear why she made the decisions that she made, including preventing the city of Chicago from intervening in this lawsuit, which was brought against the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners the agency that actually runs elections in Chicago. Okay, and early voting is already happening right now. Heather, what does this ruling mean for voters? So voters will still see this ballot question. It's number one on the ballot, and they can vote on this question. However, right now, those answers or those results won't be tallied and they won't be reported unless the city's appeal, which they took the first step toward doing today, is successful. So we won't know for at least a couple days, perhaps even weeks to know whether these results will be counted, reported, and whether they will count. Probably makes it a little confusing for voters as it well, is. Heather. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brandis. And you can read Heather's full story on our website. It's all at WTTW.com news. Up next, the debate over police officers in schools. Stay with us. Chicago's local school councils have been grappling over whether police should be in public high schools since 2019. That's when former Mayor Lori Lightfoot put that decision in their hands. Now the Chicago Board of Education says the debate is over. In a unanimous vote, board members decided to eliminate uniformed police officers from the 39 public high schools that still have them. We're going to hear from two very different perspectives on this, starting first with Westside activist and former Chicago Board of Education member Dwayne Truss. And of course, we'll hear from another guest on this same topic in just a few minutes. Dwayne Truss, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you live in the Austin neighborhood. Your uh, five children, two nieces, have all graduated from yes. Chicago public high schools. You have have grandchildren in CPS high schools. Um, but have you worried, do you worry about their safety? Yes, every day. My wife and I, we pray for their safety every day. We pray for safety for all of our kids and children because of the fact that we understand the environment in which we live in. We chose to live in that environment. We used to run a youth program for kids because of the fact that there was that vacuum and we decided to be the village and step in. Do you do you think that the high schools in your West Side neighborhood should be able to keep police officers in schools? It's not what I think is what the local school councils believe. They're the best. They're in the best position to work together with all the stakeholders, principal, 
community, students, staff, teachers to come up with that decision. It's not about me. It's about the local school council and the right that they have enshrined in state law. So your argument is, of course, more about having left it with the, the LSEs, yes. as did former Mayor uh, Lori Lightfoot, versus what the, the current school board is doing. Um, number of police officers in Chicago schools has decreased significantly. In yes. 2020, CPS was paying the Chicago Police Department $33 million a year for SROs. This year, only $10 million is budgeted for police in schools. But critics say that's $10 million that could be spent differently on teachers and after-school programs, maybe social workers. Um, do you think that that is money that should otherwise be diverted to school resources instead well, of police? Well, if I can refer you to the whole school safety uh, dashboard, those schools who have voted to remove the SROs have shifted that money into security officers. Those security officers can possibly be, be off-duty police officers. I don't know the specifics, but a lot of them have shifted to security because security is still a concern of those local schools. Which, any particular high schools in mind that, that come to mind where they're still employing you, security officers? Well, if you look at, like, uh, off the top of my head, I want to say with Marshall High School. Marshall voted to remove their SRO, and they shifted those funds into a, for a security officer because security, obviously, is still a concern with Marshall High School. So some of it putting the money into, like, uh, climate culture coaches, uh, social and emotional supports, but a lot of them have been, especially those that have had two, been using half that for security. So you're saying that, that sort of whole uh, school safety approach, it's not enough that, they, that those schools believe that they still need um, a security officer of some kind present on the school grounds? Yes. I, yes. Just think about the fact that we've had a situation where we have four young men, like I said, our babies murdered just outside the schools. I'm not here to argue whether SROs would have prevented that from happening, but that is happening. And that's an acknowledgement that we should have out there because our kids, especially at Michelle Clark, have, since we you know, had to vote, they've had five children murdered outside of the school, and that is a trauma for the kids there. So we have to create that safe environment. And the, and the local school council said, yeah, we got to have all these components here to make sure our kids feel when they come to, safe when they come to school. There's some data that shows that uh, cops, that police officers are concentrated in majority black schools. Um, how do you respond to the argument that having police officers in school contributes to the over-policing of black and brown students and leads to, it sort of creates a pipeline? Well, I, well, let's just be realistic. It's that over, let's see, of the murders we had last year in Chicago, over 90% of the perpetrators was black. People look like me and you is that black-on-black -black crime is real in our communities. Parents coming to schools attacking students and teachers and staff is very real in our community. I'm not here to disparage that, but that's just a reality. Some schools have it whereas parents or anybody that comes to school have to have a, a reservation or an appointment because parents will come there saying, well, saying, well I'm here to drop off something. And it's like, okay, where is he, where is she? And they start fights with students. And then there are students that will fight staff. And if, there's, if you get assaulted, you know, if you get assaulted and you want to swear out a report, arrest, that's your right, and somebody would do that. The question is always who's calling the police on these kids. A uh, couple seconds left. Sure. What, what's next? What, what recourse do you have? Uh, do you plan on continuing to object to this? Well, I'm going to continue to advocate for the rights of local school councils to make sure they have their voices heard on not just this matter, but all matters. Because if we continue down this path, then the, the powers of local school council potentially could be completely eroded. Okay. Dwayne Truss, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And coming up, we hear from a supporter of the school board's decision. That's right after this.
And we just heard from an opponent of the Chicago Board of Education's plan to remove police officers from public schools. Joining us now with another opinion is Asia Tate, a senior at Hyde Park Academy and student activist with the nonprofit group STOP, or Southside Together Organizing for Power. Asia, thank you for joining us. So why did you decide to get involved in this moment to remove police from schools? Well, I feel like police officers should not be involved in school because as we can see that they can't do nothing. According to the code of conduct, they can sit there and not do anything while there's a fight, unless there's a mob action, a gang fight, or there's a real crime that is being committed. So I feel as though if they can't do nothing, why should they be getting paid $180,000 a year just to not protect us? It's like they're, they are there just for the image. Like, they are getting paid to just be there to seem like they are protecting us when they really, when they really aren't. Okay, so so you feel like they're they're not really doing anything. It's it's not yes. so much about um, and and that you'd rather not see them get paid that much when, in your opinion, they're they're not really doing much. Do you feel like even just that presence is, um, I guess, how do you and how do your fellow students feel about a presence of a of a police officer just being in the school? Well, I feel as though there are a majority of black students in our school. So the stuff that we've seen on the news and the articles and stuff, like the George Floyd situation, I feel like we would, we would feel more threatened by, that, by them instead of feeling like they are there to help us. Because when I see a police officer, I think, oh, he's trying to kill me, or I feel like I'm going to jail or something. I feel more threatened than feel like, oh, he's here to help me. So you so, don't feel protected by police no. officers. Um, in the interview that we just heard with former board member Dwayne Truss, he and others are critical of the decision to take away what they feel like uh, a decision that should have been made by your local school council um, in the community because they believe that they know what is best for each, indivi each individual school. What are your thoughts on that? Should this well, have been left to the LSE? No, I feel like the students and parents should have their input on it as well, not just what they think is right for us because we also could use that money to for our resources for new programs. Why should we have to go to a different school to um, learn about cosmetology and all the other programs where we need that? Like, I'm a senior, I'm finna leave, but I also have siblings there that could also, that could also help them and prepare them for their future. Um, you attend Hyde Park Academy. Do you feel safe in general? Um, no, I don't feel safe at all, even with the police officer there. So I feel like the police makes no difference. But if they were gone, I feel like we could invest that money into programs and like peace rooms. Like if we had peace rooms, I feel like students would feel more safer coming to the peace rooms to talk about their problems because some people can't go home and talk to their parents. People would rather go there. Like we have, I have an um, organi organizer there that works for STOP. Her name is Anna. A lot of people go there and talk to her about their problems. Even I do because I can't go to anybody else. So instead of, when we get in trouble, instead of putting putting like police officers on us or anything, I feel like we should have someone to talk to and go to to help us when we need it. And, and you mentioned you don't really feel safe at your school. Why, what, why don't you feel safe? What makes you feel unsafe? Well, especially the environment around us, I don't feel safe around there because it's Hyde Park. So like, and mostly the police officer, like I said, I feel threatened by the police officer because it's like I keep getting these images in my head about the George Floyd and everything that I'm hearing about. So it's like 
I get scared. Like, you see, like, how I'm feeling right now because I'm nervous. That's how I feel around a police officer. I, I totally I'm not a cop, so, and you're doing yeah. great. Um, the Board of Education's decision, it must feel like, you know, a satisfying victory for you. Does it, uh, does it get you thinking about maybe a career in organizing? Yes. Are you celebrating what the, the board has decided? Yes, I was actually very happy when I... Because I'm like, oh, my God, we get the programs. We can get the money. We can invest. Because school is basically like like when the police there is giving school to prison pipeline. Because according to the article, so there's a lot of research about how the school connects to the prison pipeline. Because I feel like when the officers there, students are more most likely to go to jail because they are going to start calling on the officers to do everything like because some schools with, with uh, police officers in school tend to have higher rates of, of arrests of other students. and Is that what you're referring to? Yes, and not just and that, like, even if it's not like a serious crime that's going on in school with someone fighting, they would most likely go to the police officer before they go to anybody else. People, students need... involved yes. would probably maybe something that, uh, that staff should be handling. We're actually yes. out of time, Asia, but thank you so much for joining us, Asia Tate, Hyde Park Academy Senior. Thank, thank you. you. Up next, a federal food assistance program is facing a budget shortfall. A look at the potential impact. Income mothers and children eligible for a major federal food assistance program could be turned away or waitlisted. That's because the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children, or WIC, is facing a $1 billion budget shortfall. More than 160,000 women and children in Illinois are enrolled in the program, and Congress has until March, which begins this Friday, to secure funding. Joining us now with more are Ruby Ferguson, Senior Director of Strategic Relationships and Community Partnerships at the Greater Chicago Food Depository. And joining us by Zoom, Stephanie Bess, Associate Director of the Office of Family Wellness and WIC Lead at the Illinois Department of Human Services. Thanks to you both for joining us. Ruby, lay it out for us, please. What is at stake for families if Congress doesn't secure enough funding uh, for the WIC program? Yeah, um, thank you for that question. And I had the honor of working in WIC prior to this role um, and was able to directly serve families that benefited from the WIC program. WIC offers not only nutrition um, services, but also a voucher, referral services to other medical um, needs, and then most importantly, lactation support, which can be hard for certain families to find. Uh, remind us, uh, you, you gave us a little bit of a sense of like the variety of services. I think most folks kind of associate it with, is it formula for mm -hmm. babies? But give us a sense of, of what else families can get. Yeah, so it's not only formula for babies, but it's um, helping families with children up th through five years of age, which we know is a critical time for development. And so uh, families can have the continuity of care in WIC to have longer appointments, to have a deep dive into nutrition, explore how to help picky toddlers, eat new foods, other things like that. And so losing this billion dollars or not having this billion dollars to continue that program and could greatly impact the outcomes of our future generation. To that point, Stephanie Bess, what would it look like if Congress doesn't approve the funding necessary for WIC? What happens to services? 
Well, essentially, if we don't get the increase from Congress, it's sort of like getting a cut because our caseload has grown, food costs are up, staff costs are up over time. And so one of the most critical cuts would be, um, Ruby was talking about the food benefit. Currently, we're able to provide a, a child under age five with $25 per month to purchase fresh, frozen, or canned fruits and vegetables. And if that money does not come through, we're looking to return that back down to the regulatory language of $9 per month, which is a huge shift and a real detriment to families who really could use that, those, that produce in their home. Especially considering what we just mentioned earlier about the, the rising cost of food, Ruby, your organization works with folks um, helping them to apply for WIC services, as you just said. Have you noticed greater interest in the program? Yeah, so in general, food insecurity continues to go up. WIC has made a lot of great strides in the state of Illinois to get more people on the program. Um, but as we all know, one in five households in the Chicago metro area with children are facing food insecurity. And so if we lose access to that uh, like those vouchers that you get from WIC, it'll create huge detriments. And the emergency food system, which uh, the Greater Chicago Food Depository supports, can provide some of those resources, but doesn't meet the full need. And so we need this collaboration of uh, private-public partnerships to address the need. Uh, Stephanie, your department is saying that flat funding for the WIC program would, would equate to a cut in Illinois. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, right now we're operating on the same um, funding level that we received for federal fiscal 23, um, but we know that the cost of um, paying wages to staff. So here in Illinois, we have 94 local WIC agencies that we grant funds to, and they have to hire employees and pay their you know, telecom and all those bills, as well as issue those food benefits and the cost of the foods at the store. So our costs continue to rise just like everybody sees that shops or, you know, has has employees. And so we need an increase in order to keep up with rising costs and our growing caseload. Uh, Ruby, who's likely to be eligible for the WIC program and, and most likely to feel it uh, if, if cuts should happen? Yeah. So um, like we mentioned, families with children under five, birthing parents who are currently pregnant, postpartum, or lactating, all are eligible for the WIC program. Um, a lot of times there's an assumption that you need to be a woman uh, to participate on the program, but we saw grandparents, we saw aunties, we saw people stepping up and showing up there. And so it's likely that you might be eligible for WIC and might not know about it and so miss out on this opportunity. And so it can impact a lot of those families here in Chicago. Could it also have a disproportionate impact on families of color? Absolutely. We see higher rates of food insecurity in black and brown communities, um, and especially with families with young children. Stephanie, what's been the, the lasting impact that the pandemic has had on those who depend on WIC um, and those that, you know, your department works with? I think that it's just so important to um, get our families, you know, get us, get all the eligible families into WIC. And we, you know, we're a higher touch program, so it's not just a paper application. We have trained staff, nutritionists, and nurses that do a WIC nutrition assessment. We weigh and measure, check hemoglobin levels, look for chronic and acute health and nutrition-related conditions. And with the isolation from the pandemic, we have a lot of young families out there that may not know that their child has a health concern. Um, so we've been really working hard the last nine months to really get our families back in and, and getting them seen and really looked at. And we are seeing an increase in the numbers that we would consider like a higher risk or high priority population. So we know that that laying eyes on them and getting those heights and weights is a big deal. So we really want to keep that moving. And I want to just add for, to what Ruby was just saying. I mean, we see a lot of working families and a family of four 
can qualify for WIC if they make $55,000 or less a year. So 185% of the federal poverty guidelines is a pretty high income. And a lot of people don't know they're eligible when they are. So, you know, we have a lot of work to do to do outreach and grow our caseload. And right now we're just waiting to see if the funding will support it. Ruby, we've got just a couple seconds left, but as we're seeing the phasing out of additional funding for public assistance programs that were implemented during the, the pandemic, what needs to be done to ensure uh, that, that those programs still exist, that folks still have access? Yeah, so we need to urge Congress and our Senate to continue to fund these programs. Um, we know that this sets up a foundation for success for the future. So every dollar spent in WIC saves taxpayers $8 in Medicaid. And so investing in programs like this that get to the root cause of the issue are really quintessential to transforming the health of the United States. Saving money down the road, but obviously making people healthier. Yes. Uh, Ruby Ferguson, <laughs> Stephanie Best, thank you so much. Thank you. thank you. And that's our show for this Monday night. Don't forget to stay connected with us by signing up for our daily briefing. And you can get Chicago Tonight streamed on Facebook, YouTube, and our website, wttw.com news. You can also get the show via podcast and the PBS video app. And join us tomorrow night at 5.30 and 10. Chicago taxpayers have spent at least $74 million on police misconduct lawsuits last year. Our Spotlight Politics team on that and more. And a look at the advancements made in bionic prosthetic devices. Now for all of us here at Chicago Tonight, I'm Brandis Friedman. Thank you for watching. Stay healthy and safe and have a good night. Closed captioning is made possible by Robert A. Clifford and Clifford Law Offices, a personal injury law firm committed to giving back to the community through law and philanthropy.